Hi, I'm Alex, and I'm super. She is super, and I am natural today. And oh. I will be the Dr. Junkie. You are definitely well, you're, Junkie. Well, you're going to have to be a Junkie Ninja. Junkie Ninja. Dr. Junkie Ninja. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And we are the Supernatural, supernatural junkies. junkies. Coming at you. Take 95. I am Alex, and I'm super. And I'm Dr. Kevin, and I'm the natural. <laughs> voice cracked. And I'm Pastor Rob, and I'm still a junkie. And we are the, the Supernatural Junkies. junkies. That yeah, wasn't bad. That's that was good. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Supernatural Junkies. It's Alex yet again. I'm always the one. First one out of the gate. So we are here today with, I'm not letting him talk. I'm going to interrupt is, him. Nope. This... Dr. Kevin, nope. No, <laughs> and Dr. Dennis. Say hi, Dr. Dennis. Hi, Dr. Dennis. <laughs> I knew it every time. Yes. Our butts. It's a tradition <sighs> now. It's it's bad guy humor <laughs> all day long. It's dad jokes for days. <laughs> the reason she has to talk first is that way we're allowed to talk after that. Yes. They never shut up. Isn't that right? <laughs> Kevin especially. Just. So I'm actually a little surprised my wife didn't say something about getting John in here to Make sure that Dr. Dennis isn't doing too much interrupting. Yeah, we need his wife in on this. <laughs> Girls versus boys. That's right. We know oh. who will win. <laughs> my tea's about to go I'll off. Let her, I'll let her that. take my spot. <laughs> exactly. All right. Hey, what's that whistling in the background? That's my tea brew, and it's going to whistle in just a second, so we're going to get started. I am going to read a verse that's appropriate for today, hopefully before the whistle goes off. It's from Matthew 23, 33. You snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? Amen. That's Amen. fitting, isn't it? It is fitting. Yeah, especially what we're talking about. So the question is, what were we talking about in the last episode? This is part two of the origins of COVID and the... The union of the snake, the snake venom theory, and what is this all really connected to? I like that, the union of the snake, Duran Duran. Yes. Ooh. I know. That brings back memories. And also how old we are. <laughs> when, when, when we had hair. <laughs> I don't want Wait my, a second. I don't, I don't want mine back. No, no. I still have hair, just FYI. Yes. <laughs> That's right. So, you know, what we talked about in the last episode, and if you haven't had a chance to actually listen to Dr. Brian Artis talking about a lot of correlations and similarities between, you know, what's going on with cobra uh, venom, snake venom, um, and COVID, and also remdesivir, and seeing, you know, what these correlations kind of explore, and um, he does come out with quite a few things to say, but... Before we got into that, we, we went back to something was from the Office of the Director of National Intelligence and the Intelligence Council on the updated assessment on COVID-19 origins. What is the government officially saying here? And this was a very contradictory document. They said there was broad agreement that this COVID was not um, a bioweapon, right? And of course, if you read a definition 
you were thinking to yourself, well, it sure sounds like one, right? And a lot of it had to do with the number of people that were killed. But then they were able to say that it was also not genetically engineered. This is really troubling because in the next thing that they were able to say was that there was a lot of 50-50 splits, essentially, on whether this was something that escaped from Wuhan versus naturally occurring. And let me just tell you, in Wuhan lab, they don't have naturally occurring uh, COVIDs that we would somehow then be able to un, un, unable to track them, isolate them, et cetera, et cetera. And so that doesn't make any sense. No, if, no, if, no, if you're no. going to say that, that Wuhan was a potential source for COVID, then you have to, to realize that the most logical explanation there is that this has been gain of function. It has been genetically has engineered. Be. So be. how can they say that? But the entire article falls apart at the end when they admit that they absolutely do not have complete samples of COVID. That means they have been telling us there's a virus out here that has caused a pandemic. But somehow this virus, which is can be at least 30,000 you know, sequenced um, peptides, if you will, um, it can also be what? Fall apart, just suddenly fall apart and we'll never be able to find out what it is. That's astonishing. That's never happened before, that somehow we can't isolate the virus that actually caused all this. And so you start to realize the entire COVID narrative falls apart once you realize that this was genetically modified and that we don't actually have the virus itself. Right. They were stumbling over themselves um, trying to prove that it wasn't or, uh, or opine that it wasn't created in a lab. Meanwhile... I think Dr. Peter Bregan in his book, um, he had uh, said there are like seven SARS COVID viruses that exist and none of them occur in nature. They're all lab recreated. And that's why they, they called it a novel virus. Right. Novel meaning new. Right. So, oh yeah, if you make it up in a lab, it's right. novel. Right. Oh, I, I thought novel just meant the load of crap they spill about it could fill an entire book. <laughs> Therefore, it's a novel coronavirus. Watch us as we spin this load of crud. Yes, well, I think most Americans are feeling that. So once you understand that this is small pieces of something, you start to realize that the gain of function science... <laughs> oh, it's a piece of something. Right? <laughs> Sorry. Their technology is completely able to pull off the perfect crime. And so that's what we, we liken this to, the fact that, you know, and if you pull off the perfect crime, what does it mean? Well, it means the guy is in the room and he's dead. And you can't prove whether this guy was murdered or whether it was a suicide or natural occurring, right? You can't prove what totally happened. And so we start to look for what? Who is this person who right. has motives? What did his death actually accomplish right. for some of these people? Right. And so this is this means that this entire narrative, you know, we're looking for correlations. We're looking for circumstantial evidence that might lead us to what more substantial or even concrete evidence. Well, this you can't you got to look at uh, how do you explain this? We have to go outside the room to explain this. That's right. So you can't. So it's not like there was a suicide note and the guy's lying there dead with the one gunshot wound to his head or something. This guy's lying there, and we're suspicious because we don't have an explanation of how he died, right. and the cause of death is not in the room, so we have to go outside the room. 
So I think using your analogy there, Doc, you're absolutely right. We got to go outside the room to find the origin of this. Right. And more, more you know, distinctly, it is completely okay to go down and explore any line of evidence and anything that could be circumstantial or, as we call, correlations in science. And there's a big difference between finding a correlation of something and actually proving causation of something. And so this is something we want to set these ground rules as we go through this. And honestly, this ground rule tells you that this narrative about talking about correlations or similarities between COVID, snake venom, remdesivir, et cetera, et cetera, these are all completely valid points of view or roads that we can go down and explore and then to see what happened. And that's what we found as we went down that road. We found out that there really are a lot of similarities. For example, um, some of the symptoms of snake venom especially with respect to some of the organ stuff, seems to be very consistent, you know, with snake venom. You know, the loss of taste and smell, um, you know, some of the blood clotting. Of course, we also learned that snake venom can be a blood thinner versus a blood clotter. So we start to see some of these organ shutdowns. And, of course, we we're going to talk about how much that happens. But that is something. There's a correlation there with snake venom. Um the lungs really ends up being one of the big topics that people dispute. What's happening? Or is this being shut down by the brain? You know? But the other thing that happens is some of the things that we treat snake venom bites for are some of the things that we found work great for COVID. For example, right, monoclonal antibodies, you know, that can definitely be considered anti-venom. Hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, NAC blocks blood clotting. Uh, nicotine um, blocks these receptors in the brain where the brain you know some of these snake venoms actually shut down certain receptors in your brain to make you stop breathing and that's what those nic nicotinic receptors can do that's why some of the smokers were less right. likely to have problems zinc exactly right he was saying that that the um that it binds that the they were the spike protein binds with the nic nicotinic receptors in the brainstem which causes respiratory arrest but if the smokers people that have nicotine floating through their blood um have already bound those nicotine re receptors with nicotine so what we're saying is no one likes a quitter right <laughs> just no, just kidding please don't smoke please don't smoke that's not what we're saying i was just like you know what i quit smoking 20 something years ago oh man I had just held on longer. <laughs> so, and then he also talks about how some of the symptoms of the treatment of remdesivir actually produce some of the symptoms that we have for COVID. And then he also correlates some of this um, with the things that you can't use uh, with remdesivir as the things that end up helping to stop COVID. For example, he says one of the big ones was hydroxychloroquine. That's actually listed on there as being something you can't take along with remdesivir. So you're starting to see some very interesting correlations. And of course, he talks about some coincidences just with what, you know, they say, you know, the, uh, I don't put a lot of stock in it, but, you know, if you look at the Latin version of um, virus, you could actually use the word venom. And then a corona means what? Crown. Who, what do we put on a crown? We put crowns on who? Kings. Kings. Right. Yeah. So you start queens. to say king. Right. Venom or king snake, right, or king cobra venom, right? So these are certainly little coincidences that we see happening here. I can't put a lot of stock in it. 
And that's kind of where we left off is where some of these coincidences, similarities. Well, it gets it starts to be like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, right? Yes. Yeah, because it, yeah. it's all somehow related. Right, but and you also have to you also have to try to stay away, you know, the fifty foot view, and and try to look at look at it from that objective point of view because a lot of these theories, and that's what they are right now, folks. We because none of this has been proven either way. Is that there? They are just theories. So we're looking at okay. There's some correlation, but when you start taking Latin roots of words and trying to make up something and Corona, and it, could they have done that? Sure, they could have. But one thing we do know is what we're going to get into today, Doc, about the PCR test, about mm -hmm. the and some of the science that we already know that's not that's not valid. What you're going to see there's actually some broad agreements about lots of things we're going to bring in up today. And there is nothing wrong with talking about some correlations and some studies, you know, and to say what that proves. But the real bottom line is we see is that, you know, as he goes into this deeper and deeper, the isolation, you know, and one of the things that, that we jumped off on right away was that, you know, the first video that came out was about what's in the water. And there's no doubt that, and we'll talk about this, how snake venom is still a possibility mm -hmm. for some things but we're having trouble you know we can't isolate in the water there's really no proof that it's in the water and so it was kind of an unfortunate thing probably that it was titled that um we know the the interview with mike adams was a little bit better um where they got into more details and of course he's also been on many other podcasts and has had to explain some of these criticisms and, you know, he did a pretty good job, and I, I'll be able to jump into some of the, the things. That yeah, he was well, when I mean, he was saying in the water, I mean, wasn't it the, the waste products were found yeah. in the water? Yeah, and who tested it? Where did that come from? I would have to toss that whole theory out for now. I think that the reality is, is that most people did. Um, but you have to believe, though, there was that's where also some sensationalism crept in. Oh, and, yeah. And we don't want that. We no. don't want people scared of the water. Because if that was the case, it would be quite easy to isolate this. Now, he does have other proofs that we talk about we will get into. But, you know, where we wanted to go is just kind of continue the idea. What is the correlation here, right? How is snake venom related to what's going on right now? And I think that that's where you have to really look at. Once you understand that all we have are a bunch of little small parts at the scene of the accident. That's all we have. So looking at any of these parts is certainly a possibility that it could lead somewhere and that would also include snakes or snake venom remember snakes were always considered to be one of the top three sources for COVID, anyways so that part is not really a much of a stretch we also know that there's tons and tons of research by the companies that are pulling all this off anyways into the whole snake venoms and the types of things that we can do and the other thing the last thing i'll mention is that they can absolutely synthesize brand new snake venoms that are not naturally occurring at all that we if they came if we saw them we wouldn't know what they were because they're brand new inventions so they are able to engineer snake venoms that we don't even know about yet so these are all kind of the ground games before we jump into it yeah you're absolutely correct doc i mean um, when mike adams was interviewing him he did a good job because he has a science background and Dr. Artis actually had a bunch of his research uh, presented during those interviews 
but Mike Adams was saying that they are using snake venom or have used snake venom for many pharmaceuticals like lisinopril, which is an ACE2 inhibitor, or and it's also being used in cosmetics. So it's been used for years. Right. We were talking about uh, Goop was mentioning something about the snake venom um, as early as 2010, 2011. So it's been a long time. But some of the effects of the snake venom is that they're used in some cancer therapies and different venoms have the opposite effect on the same system. So like we're talking, some are for clotting and some thin, right? King Cobra, Kevin pointed out, is uh, like a blood thinner and the crate snake is for clotting, causes clotting. Um, let's see, venom-derived neurotoxins target nicotine. We already talked about this. Smokers least affected, right? Nicotine patches and gum helps, right? If you, what, get it? Right. And um, because it has some, I don't know. Well, what happens is that <laughs> if you have the receptor. The receptors are in the brain stem, uh -huh. okay? That's the connection between the brain and the spinal cord transition area. That's where your breathing centers are, so... That's the area that's crushed when someone is hung, mm. all right, uh, physically crushed by, by the axis, the fractured and going into, into that area of the brain, causing um, paralysis of the diaphragm. These nic nicotinic receptors, if they are bound by nicotine mm -hmm. in smokers, then they cannot be bound by venom. Uh, There's the protection. Okay. And this is also the correlation because people that's know that you know people with covid stop breathing so the idea here is right. that a snake venom could literally tell their brain to stop breathing which is why we need what the smokers. ventilators oh sorry I you right smokers. But i think he was saying was this happening though was he relating that to the hospital deaths or was he was that just covid because covid people were infected with covid and not everybody ended up with a cytokine storm in fact most of the people that ended up in, were in the hospital were already that far gone when it affected their lungs and right. so forth. So I wasn't so clear on what he was saying there. Well, we're going to hear that other people believe that the cytokine storm happens because the lung shut down. Brian Artis believes the other way around. He believes that this was all triggered by a reaction to snake venom. But then again, it still comes down to that the these people stop breathing. And so this is why the idea of the ventilators comes in and this is something that he explains that does shut down these receptors. That's how nicotine comes into play. And it's true that nicotine has been used as, you know, a type of treatment that's actually helped here. So it's really important. You know, another criticism here that we'll bring up is that some people are saying that, well, wait a minute, if this is snake venom, how did they deliver it? So this is a big question because if you think about if it was really in the water, um, some people are saying that snake venom, if you ingest it, is not something that could hurt us. And that's really important to understand that, first of all, we already talked about one lady that, you know, stopped breathing because she was just sucking snake venom out of a couple of people. She had to be put on a ventilator. So we know that you can ingest snake venom and it can hurt people. But the other side of it is what, and I know, I think you were talking about Judy Mikovits. And how she was saying that that there is a possibility that ingested um, snake venom could hurt people. Right. Well, especially uh, with retroviruses, they can be aerosolized, right? Which we know that that was one of the initial proposals for the coronavirus to DARPA as a weapon was to be able to aerosolize this virus. Right. 
Yeah. And, and you think about this, once you start to get into gain of function, we're going to tend to think in lines of thinking, but we don't really, we're not experts in what's actually truly available. So the point here is, is that, and I think Dr. Artis brings this up, that he says there's multiple companies that say you can nanotech basically venoms and to where it is quickly absorbed when you when you ingest it and gets into your bloodstream and it accomplishes I, 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 the same thing. It's a hypothesis though. I mean, we, we gotta keep, we're keeping that 50, 50 foot view, but that's, that's a, that's, he's theorizing these things and ingesting it versus getting in the blood. When you talk about the, you know, um, sucking uh, venom um, out of a snake bite to try to save someone's life, and then you getting sick yourself, um, that's because there's a lot of um, salivary um, glands in the mouth um, that you could sublingually absorb it into your bloodstream. You know, have you do sublingual medication, mm -hmm. right? Underneath the tongue, it goes into the bloodstream quickly. So that's, it's not that, I wouldn't think you're going to, ingest it ingest it that like swallow it like you would drink a glass of water mm. right. so i i think we just need to back off a little bit and let's look at what you know what he's saying here well all i'm saying is is that none of us and no one there is right. no one that knows what's really possible that's been interviewed that i know of there's not too many people in the world that are announcing hey i do a lot of gain of function research and i will tell you what's really truly available and this right. is why, to me, there's no doubt about it. We're talking about peptides here. And we're talking about really small chains of them. And again, if they can make them smaller, they can easily make them absorbed wherever and or possibly aerosolized. So you start to realize that we're, uh, we're on the downside of this. We are not forensic experts here about what's even possible. And that's why it's hard to pin this down, which is why all you can say is it is a theory, right? Yes. But we do have some people that are saying it is possible, and that's key. The other thing that comes out here is that he does a lot of, if you really watch the interviews, he goes into a lot of things and shows you how there is a correlation. And that's really where I can say he does a good job. Uh, he does talk about CNN Health, actually mentions this correlation or somehow the origins are related. And he also mentions how it's specifically the Chinese Cobra as a source. Um, he talks about how some of the proteins that are being found are similar to snakes. Um, he talks about a study that came out of Science Today. It says it's not snakes, but they, they do admit that some of the virus codons are probably most similar to a snake. Hmm. So again, you start to see we're getting to a little bit of technological things that it's difficult for the average person to understand, which tells you what? The people that understand this are people that do what? Gain of function research, right? Now, snake bites in COVID-19, he also talks about a research uh, development opportunity, and this was with the BMJ, and he was just basically saying that there is research into snake bites and COVID, right? And this was covered by the British Journal of Medicine. Uh, there's also a couple other inventors that have used snake venom to create mRNA vaccines and this was for gene therapy so now all of a sudden he shows a little correlation that snake venoms have been used to help stabilize the mRNA and so that's also another correlation yeah that, that's correct doc and then we have the correlation with the PCR test where 
artists was saying that they were using the PCR test years ago in a lab to identify the codons of the venoms. And then now when they released this product, and we're going to say product because we don't know if it's a virus because we don't have an isolated form of it. And we don't know what's in the treatments of like Rendesivir or so because we, we don't have that. But they release these products and they testing positive on the PCR test. So there's a similarity there with the venoms. Yeah, so there's just some correlations happening. Overlapping venoms are, have been used with PCR tests. And venoms have been used with mRNA. So we're starting to see that these things are not necessarily always far apart. Um, one of the things that comes out is the fact that they can synthesize venoms that do not exist and that's also been part of the things that we're seeing mm -hmm. um you know these are loose correlations for me but he talks about how some of the vaxes are mixed in powders like venom and remdesivir he talks about the coloring you know is is can be similar but again to me those are loose associations probably for me um he talks about how cleaving is inhibited by glutathione cysteine and ascorbic acid so he talks about how some, you know, ascorbic acid, glutathione, you know, again, can inhibit this venom reaction. Okay, I just found this. This is crazy. This is from GLP. It's online. And it says, how snake venom and a smoking cessation drug inspired a nasal spray that blocks COVID. And um, this is a drug, by the way, by uh, working with Pfizer. And, um, and it's also uh, in a repurposed version of Chantix which we've all seen the commercials for, right? It's a, and that is a Pfizer product as of 2006, and it looks like they were looking into this as early as 2004, folks. Yeah. There's another thing he brings up about snake venom, and it's this, the phosphodiesterase, which can cleave RNA. So when you're working with you know, incorporating RNA, mRNA into the body, that's a little bit of an issue. He mentions a company called Biologic E, and all that really he shows with a lot of this stuff is that a lot of the companies that are putting out these drugs and or vaccines are clearly also working with snake venom. And that's probably the best way to say some of that. One other study I thought that was interesting, and I guess this came out in the Canadian press, uh, was from Moderna co-founder. He was using mRNA technology as part of treating venomous snake bites. So again, not only, you know, do monoclonal antibodies work here, but other things as well. But it turns out there's another correlation here. Which Moderna founder is this? Right. Yeah. Well, I wonder. And here's the other thing. He draws quite a few connections of some of these companies, and he also connects some of them to the you know the World Economic Forum. That these are the these are the globalists who are in control of all this stuff. So you know when you start to think about the crime, we talked yeah. about that initially. You know, in the world, who would be the one that benefits the most from this crime scene in Wuhan? Well, China is certainly not one of the top ones. But when you start to look what it took to pull it off in America, you just can't believe that China is so in control of America. And you I'm sorry, did you say who are in charge or who are in charge? Could have been either. Oh. <laughs> the Babylonian whore. <laughs> right. That's right. Well, you start to realize it, and, and in, in, in biblical times, the whore was actually somebody that used to be married and faithful, right? Mm -hmm. And you start to realize it's somebody that's been, you know, that's fallen, really fallen. I think grace. that, uh, you know, and Peter Brecken, going back to his book, um, he did uh, had some good documentation there. But one thing that he did point out is that 
it's not just China. It's the globalist. China is the globalist beta uh, beta test. Right. Because they're right. since they're um, a communist country and then in bed with uh, w the H, uh, WHO, they're able to do all their testing and stuff there. They were the perfect um, um, straw man to be put out there. But really, the globalists are the ones that are involved here. And Fauci, Gates, and, um, you know, Klaus Schwab, uh, they're, uh, they're all the ones that are, that are behind this. Yeah. Um, so... Well, and you can, you, we can know that from just the things that they put out. And we will cover that on some other episodes. But what I'm trying to say is it's very difficult to explain how, you know, China's in control of the FDA, the CDC, completely in control of virtually all the politicians in America, completely in control of all the media in America. You look, think about what it took to pull off the COVID deception. It becomes harder to explain how China really has that far of a reach. It's much easier to see how the globalists have that far reach. Right. Oh, especially if you go to the World Economic Forum's website exactly. and pull up and search for coronavirus, and they have this whole diagram there with all these different legs to it that, that how they planned this whole thing and the response to it. It's problem, action, solution. Yep. You know, I could see it right now, though. Can't you see Dr. Fauci on the stand to be like, you don't know what you're talking about there, Dr. Cruz. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know about. science. This is science. I don't actually have proof, but I can tell you it's science. Well, this is what's funny to me is that they come out and tell you that this is their goal. You know, you look at the Rockefeller Step Plan. You look at that Event 201. You look at the World Economic Forum, and this is all spelled out. And this is the stuff we do need to cover so you can start to see these people are telling you who they are, right. what they want to do, and how they're going to actually accomplish it. Um, and also look to China, though. Who looks to China as a role model for anything, right? Well, they're teaching our, youth, our youths, our <laughs> yeah. youths, as uh, they say in the... Right. <laughs> our youths, they're the ones that want to be like China. Which yeah, is... socialism, communism rules. Scary. Yeah. Well, he brought up oh, a really Trudeau. interesting he correlation... You know, in, in the idea that they like to tell each other what they're going to do under code, right? And I can show you other illustrations. He covers one that I actually thought was quite interesting, which was an episode of The Blacklist Show. Right. Was that, that was season four, episode 15, where, uh, what's his name? Uh, Reddington. Well, Reddington. We, we did. We love that show. I love James Spader. He's a great actor. But um, he came down with this mysterious poison nobody knew what was going on but he was going to die if they couldn't figure it out and, and he was treated with a cocktail of steroids that's right but what it turned out to be was was it crate venom or king cobra venom i think it might have been well it, it goes on i mean he was then he was treated with bronchodilators yeah you know he actually so says in there weird. that he was surrounded by a corona of death yeah and you're like how is that mm. How is that? Are you saying there's predictive programming? I, you know, right. this is them cool showing off. Cool the people I, look it up. I just can't. I mean, you, there's no doubt. There's a lot of coincidences. But these guys, they wouldn't mind, you know, doing something blatant enough to say. Oh, they do. Oh, they do no, it on they, The Simpsons. I'm right, just, no, I was, they, they spent eight. Don't criticize The Simpsons. But they do. But they there spent, have been a lot of predictive programming on The Simpsons. But they told you they spent $8 million in advertising those drug companies did you know that oh mm -hmm. i heard it's larger than that. i, yeah, I think it's, it's, I, I heard think it's, it's 16 million a day oh wow yeah. try competing with that as in you can't being yeah. a chiropractor 
So they're in everywhere. They're in shows, right? And they've said that. They've oh, yeah. said as much that they've planted themselves. Oh, Gates absolutely. was part of this, putting in television shows, the news programs, paying for all the yeah, you know just like news. They did it's with crazy. the uh, well other agendas. That Reddington show. The other part I thought that was interesting is that it, it turned out to be like you said. It was you know peptide proteins from the crate snake, which means that it was a venom, but it affected what his lungs. Yeah, he couldn't breathe. Yep. So you start to think, you know, like, okay, I mean, if I was Dr. Artisan, I saw that I would be like, holy smokes, right? So, you know, again, we just did. look at these yeah. coordinations or correlations, whatever you want to call them, and uh, you start to realize. You coordinated know, correlations. That's right. <laughs> it's a coordinated uh, attack, that's for sure. Oh, absolutely. And they have to, part of the occult practice is that they have to, um, announce what they're going to do yes and you start to realize you know look they luciferes is patent zero six zero six zero six i mean <laughs> they literally have to put this out it's there crazy. and announce it um you know they also he talks about long covid you know and how that's mm -hmm. caused you know these these organ damages and he talks about these elevated d dimers that we that, that are happened and of course these can also be something um you know, that we can see with, with different venoms. Right. Well, the D-dimer test, if you go get a D-dimer test, it could test if you have a clotting problem. So then, you know, so if you're thinking that you're having symptoms of this, folks, you can go get your doctor to order you a D-dimer test. Well, he says, Dr. Ryan Cole, when I did get to meet him when he was uh, here in Florida doing the uh, Save a Generation tour. I didn't get a chance. Actually, my wife was there too, but... She was over talking to other people, bragging to them. Yeah, no, I'm not social. Kevin's a social butterfly. He's like, here, you should. I met this one, this one, this one. I'm like, okay. Well, let's face it. We have a, a distinct message here with the Supernatural Junkies, and it's okay. really simple. Jesus said, when you see these things happen, we're supposed to stand up. And I do not care about going to talk to important people, but if I believe that my Bible is saying something's happening and I need to stand up for it, I will talk to people I have never wanted to talk to them before. <laughs> yeah, so. he did say that there would be pestilences, right, in the end times, right? And now we're in the birth pains analogy um, where that it's becoming more concentrated as we're seeing. Well, and here's another thing. You know, my biggest hole, first of all, was, of course, the water. Um, I will tell you that I've had a few conversations with Dr. Lee Merritt and there's more than one people that have been thinking that maybe this isn't something that's aerosolized at all. Um, and she has been calling it a poison for a while. So you can see other people have been thinking in this direction. Obviously, there's going to be some, you know, disagreements with what, you know, her and Dr. Artis are saying exactly. However, the biggest hole I, the second biggest hole I had was he does not show, if you think about agreement, most people are in agreement that the problem is the spike protein, right? Mm -hmm. And so he never correlates the the venom to the spike protein. And, and we're going to see, I don't want to steal anybody else's thunder, but we're going to cover Dr. Pierre Corey's critique of this as well. And he specifically brings a few things out about how snake venom has a correlation to the spike protein. Uh, the other thing that really, of course, when you think about from our perspective, we believe that the Bible teaches there was going to be a genetic war and that we were going to see that war come back 
at the last moments of human history, which means really a DNA war, right? A war for the seed or offspring of humanity. And so we base that on, of course, the first prophecy in the Bible, Genesis, the third chapter. But then Jesus saying that as in the days of Noah, so shall be the coming of the Son of Man. So here's what I'm trying to say. If we're putting, when we took this mRNA in our body, we know that that mRNA can go what? Backwards to our DNA, right? So we're talking about a genetic experiment that people were manipulated, bullied, and forced into taking, right? That is literally changed. It's going to change the DNA from everybody here on out. These lipid nanoparticles, I call them lapid nanoparticles, <laughs> my goodness, <laughs> lipid nanoparticles, um, you know, they pool specifically in these reproductive organs, right? So you're talking about now, let's just say there's something to this. Okay, he talks about, would it be interesting if somehow snake DNA, okay, snake, distinct snake codes have been placed into people's bodies. Now, there's a reason why we'll say that. And again, I don't want to steal Dr. Pierre Corey's thunder, but we're going to read some of that as well. But I just wanted you to know that that was one of my... I just struggle with that. How, how is this connected to the spike protein? Because most people would say that the injury seems to be in the spike protein. And that's why we're seeing a well, lot they, of... they did identify that. The Salk yeah. Institute identified that last year. Exactly. That, and that the spike protein uh, is what causes the problem. And then you and I asked the question, well, then why would you inject into your body a medication that's not a vaccine that tells your body, programs your body to produce spike protein. And now we're seeing the consequence of that in that um, you have people that are clotting, you have athletes dropping on the field, you have myocarditis occurring in adolescent males, you're having much more uh, concentrated issues with uh, prion disease that is starting to show up. That's with the brain, folks, protein problems with the brain. So where is this all coming from? And they're not correlating this with the vaccine. They're never going to say it's the vaccine because that would make them guilty. They're going to say it's COVID. And they're going to continue the narrative with COVID through the PCR test, which is bogus, which we debunked uh months ago millions of times and yes millions of times so you if you can test positive with a pcr test which is bogus we we've told you you have to stop playing the game we have to stop playing our game stop calling this a vaccine stop taking pcr tests stop, stop calling it a virus and stop calling it a virus and stop cooperating with their narrative right and and here's the thing so Here's, I'm going to say this now before we even go into, you know, some of the critiques of this. But, you know, one of the things that when you hear, if you heard the Stu Peters one, and then you hear the Mike Adams one, and then you hear some other ones, you know, he's really balanced his approach. He's really, he just sounds to me like he's pretty well put together at this point. Who, Dr. Artis? Dr. Artis. He's mm -hmm. really come off of some of the things he's saying, and he explained why and how. The truth is, while he did air some of these ideas... He didn't air them to the people that have expertise. And that's the best thing I want to say it. And when you do that, that's when you're going to get certain types of things back. And so I want to say that I think everything he did was fine. I know that if he had went in different directions and 
vetted things a little bit more with his colleagues, he would have come across less sensationalistic right out of the box. And um, and I, I think that that's the case. So let me just, you know, when he was asked, okay, where's your proof? Okay, this is what he, the best one he had. He mentions a study in Italy, and unfortunately I heard this on a podcast that it was not video, so I wasn't able to find this study. It just says that it was an Italy study, and it was in 2020. It took people with COVID that were testing positive on the PCR, and it was looking for animal toxins in their blood. And it turns out they found some, and a lot of them turns out to be were snake venom or snake drive or other things that would be very similar. I think one of them, I don't know, I want to say starfish, but anyways. So you start to realize that in the, the animal world, there's so many things that we could be dealing with, and all we have is a bunch of parts. So this starts to make sense that these people did find this stuff. So, you know, other than that, what does he say? He has no evidence that there's anything in the water. He also goes on to say that he's hoping he's wrong about the water. He was not trying to promote fear, you know. Certainly, there are other people that have proposed problems in the water. You know, we have chlorine in the water. We fluoride have fluoride in, in the water. You start to see, you know, and he's not the only person that's really questioning whether this is aerosolized to begin with. That That's not a real uncommon, you know, thought because you really have to ask yourself if it was aerosolized, then why did it act the way that it did? So you start to realize that Dr. Artis, you know, um, has tempered his approach quite dramatically. And I think that's based upon some of the feedback. So, uh, you know, hats off to him. We're not throwing anybody under the bus here. From our perspective, it's completely okay to really talk about that. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's he's come off a little bit um, sensational in the beginning, like you said, and then he's and then he's corrected some of the statements that he made and some statements that he made were mistaken. He like the water thing. There was something about waste uh, products in the water and so forth. But the whole thing is, is that, again, we're looking at the room. There's a bunch of pieces on the floor. And we're trying to make sense of this, and it's very difficult. And I think that's a perfect explanation, and we got to give each other a little bit of leeway. That's why this is a talk show. <laughs> so, um, so let me introduce Dr. Pierre Corey. I did get to meet him again at the same. Um, my wife did as well. Oh wait, you were talking to someone again. And Such a butt. <laughs> <laughs> Long story short, um, he is one of the doctors, lead doctors for Frontline, America's Frontline Doctors. He is one of the guys that was on the White House steps standing up for our freedoms. And there are very few people that are losing their jobs and willing to do these kinds of things and lose their license. And that is Dr. Pierre Corey. So we need to give some respect there. Just remember now, he is not a chiropractor. He is a... All right, Doc, let me help you there. Pierre Corey, K-O-R-Y, is a physician. He's a medical doctor. He is an American critical care physician who gained attention during the COVID-19 pandemic for advocating widespread off-label use of certain drugs as treatments for COVID-19 as president and co-founder of the Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance. So he was pushing or promoting uh, the use of ivermectin and uh, hydroxychloroquine, I believe. And he got his notoriety really saying that they're, while they're allowing them to use corticosteroids, he was showing them, the world really, that the doses that they were using were negligible, that they really were 
being mistreated because the dosage was completely inappropriate. And he was proven to be right. He was fired for that, I believe. But, you know, you have a guy here that is literally the head of his unit. So he could be, you know, looking over the whole emergency uh, medical situation and then also maybe the uh, hospice and so on and so forth. So this guy is seeing it happen and he's one of the guys behind making these decisions. Now, the best way to state it, he totally agrees that there's some truth, some partial truths, and so on and so forth, and some complete mistakes in what Brian is saying um, from his perspective. And he also says that he has personally disagreed with people like Peter McCulloch and Malone and Cole and, and Urso and so on and so forth. So he's not saying he's God here. He's just saying that I have a different perspective. And the first one is that he does not believe that there's zero basis for COVID people dying of COVID because of paralysis. That is just, that's just not what he sees happening. He doesn't believe that there's any sinister intent really to stop, to stop the breathing. Okay. So this is, he believes this is coming from a, a complex pneumonia. He also says there's some discrepancy. I know Dr. Brian artist talks about how there's this dropping of, COVID patients on the ninth day on remdesivir, you know, he gives some st different statistics that really are saying that a third die in less than four days, a fifth die between five to eight days, and the rest die beyond nine plus days. Um, he also talked about how remdesivir was not around until May of 2020. And he does say, I mean, he is not a fan of remdesivir. Um, he absolutely would agree with Dr. Artis that this is a uh, basically a bad medication and so forth, so forth. But he also says that he did not see a huge rise in the deaths after remdesivir was started. Another thing he mentions is that, you know, I guess he does make a little bit of a case saying that monitoring the wastewater can actually be a valid technique for predicting outbreaks. Now, I, I really didn't fully understand what he was saying, but most of us don't. But he is saying that that is, it does seem to have some predictive value. Um, they also talks about how banning doctors for using monoclonal antibodies. Um, he, really, what Dr. Pierre brings out is that they've been fired. Letters have been sent to medical boards. And again, insurance companies have been investigating them, uh, again, for prescribing off-label um, use of, of different things. So... You know, he goes, there's clearly some, not only does he agree there, but, you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg of what the people, the doctors that are fighting for these other alternative treatments to COVID have what's really been happened to them. It's interesting because they use drugs off-label all the time. Um, you know, so I don't know why all of a sudden they're going to get fired for this. He also talked about how there is indeed a short sequence of RNA coding for amino acids that make up part of the receptive binding uh, domain portion of the spike protein that is identical to snake venom. So that's pretty interesting. But again, I'd love to see some of the research on this. And then he talked about how part of the spike protein uh, may potentially uh, make it antagonized, antagonistic to the nicotine, uh, nic nicotinic receptors that we were talking about earlier. And that the mechanism, the, the pathophysiological mechanism, which is one of the many exhibited by snake venom. So he's seeing a correlation between what the artist was saying with snake venom and the nicotinic receptors. 
the virus or the venom and or rendesivir venom causes pulmonary hemorrhage. Uh, this is a problem he was, he was thinking that um, he doesn't see the proof that rendesivir is causing the pulmonary hemorrhage. Um, there is, has been some studies that it being uh, indicated in kidney damage, however. Um, and then he was saying that there was some virus venom and or rendesivir venom causes ARDS initially. ARDS is acute respiratory distress syndrome. It does not, he doesn't feel that that's, um, that is related. So he's debunking that um, theory right there. Again, these are things that need more research, folks. So one of the big things that he said, and this to me was stunning, he says that a bit of truth here because there is indeed a short sequence of RNA coding for amino acids that make up part of the receptor binding domain portion of the spike protein. Now, did you just hear what he said? He says it's identical to snake venom. Why on the spike protein is there a binding receptacle that's identical to snake venom? Now, this is something that could be explored because this one little binder to snake venom protein, right, that's also similar here to what we have with the spike protein, could be why we're seeing so many correlations or similarities to the way COVID's acting in snake venom. So, and the question is then becomes, as he says later, why is it there? How did it get there? That's a question to be asking the NIH and specifically Mr. Fauci. So here you have this one little nugget. Hey, don't, don't, don't question me there, Dr. Cruz. <laughs> That's right. So like you start this. to see here, this is the, the building block of where this whole thing started. Because here you have two docs that are going to see this quite a bit differently. But you have this one little connection of agreement here. And to me, the spike protein is something that everybody can agree is clearly a component of what's going on here. So the fact that this has snake venom on it what is that an indication how did it get there you got to be thinking this is what gain of function so in looking at some of the other ways they've been using snake venom because i heard recently that pfizer just invested a ton of money in looking at snake venoms and what they can do but apparently the mayo clinic has been studying and looking at them for heart attack patients um for people going into renal failure and also um using it for, what is it, microbial keratitis? Keratosis? It just says keratitis. It kind of shortens it. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. But they're saying that um, they were bee stings. They used to use bee stings as an alternative for eye infections, but now they're looking at venom to inject directly into the eye to treat. To try to what? I don't I guess... Because, I mean, they're do, right. using it in cosmetics similar to Botox, so right, it does says, cause some paralysis of muscles and so forth. Well, they're treating it microbial keratids, which it must be in the eye, a bacteria, so they're hmm. using snake venom and injecting it directly into the eye to hmm. fight that. I know it's, it's kind of Do you weird. get snake eyes then? <laughs> yeah, snake eyes. <laughs> well, you can eyes. see here that the, the general principle, folks, is, is very simple. The scene of the crime has nothing but very, very small little components. And you can see that all the people, the players, are using snake venom. There's all kinds of correlations happening here. Yeah, there's but something. again, to, to try and pin everything down, but this idea that there is a specific receptor on the spike protein that comes from a snake 
is a very powerful piece of information. It had to come from outside the room. It had to be put there. That's right. right. You know, so it's, again, like you said... I mean, you know, there's wacky, gain of function evidence. Yeah, there's wacky things in vaccines. Period. I mean, worm DNA, cocker spaniel DNA, you aluminum, know, cloned fetal tissue from, from 40, aldehyde, right, from 40 years ago. Yeah, it's um, really sick. Bovine uh, stuff, uh, eggs, and right? they don't, and they don't Burn have, the and they don't have to test it like they test medications. You know mm-hmm. that. So right, all vaccines, not just no, no. I'm not. We're talking about the childhood vaccines. Oh yeah. They're not tested like yeah. medication is tested. Right. And then if you get sick, you know, you get good luck at the court. Oh, you, well, since 1986, there's nothing you can do about that. It's crazy, yeah. folks. Oh, well, too bad, so sad. Well, I know we're getting a little long here, but I wanted to go back and say a couple things. Number one, he says that the virus venom or remdesivir, okay, he says the idea that this is causes pulmonary hemorrhage is wrong. And he's also said that this pulmonary hemorrhage, right, this isn't something he's never actually seen. So you're seeing there's a practical side of this that just doesn't pan out for Dr. Pierre Corey. Another thing he talks about how, you know, and again, this is Dr. Artis really kind of insinuating that remdesivir is just free dry snake venom, okay? Again, he's saying that this multiple organ failure is somewhat rare. And again, this is where you're gonna see different statistics depending on who you talk to. But he says it's more likely that it's actually a single organ failure related to the respiratory. He says occasionally the kidneys do come into play here. So, you know, you'll see some arguments up and down, you know, depending on who much, when, where, why these organs are actually being involved. But the yeah, bottom who line much? is, <laughs> he who, said, much? who much, who much. Yeah, but you can also, Doc, I mean, just even if, let's say there's proof that remdesivir causes kidney problems or damage, mm-hmm. you can damage, you damage the kidney, you, you cause multiple organ failure. I saw it in, in, the, in the passing of my brother-in-law. The kidneys shut down, and that just shuts everything else down. Yeah. Yeah, my father. That's how he died. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's another thing. You know why we're having so many arguments right now and how many disagreements? Because I'm telling you, there's more than one thing going on. Oh, yeah. Right. And remember, we got so many parts to play, right? I'm telling you, anybody was shocked by all the funny things that they're claiming somehow people are dying from. Right? right, and somehow it's related to COVID. Remember, also in the last two quarters of last year, we're seeing about a forty percent increase of non-COVID deaths. Something's going life on. Life insurance, folks, right? Yeah. Life you insurance see that? Claims, why right? are why are eighteen yeah. to sixty-five year olds the deaths up forty percent? It's unheard of. Mm. Something is going on here, and I think that's what we can roll out. The other thing that, again, Dr. Pierre Corey completely agrees. Remdesivir is a major problem, but he didn't say he didn't see a he, for himself. He didn't see a discernible difference in how patients were dying, and I think that that's important to know from somebody that was in those hospitals oh, watching it happen. Absolutely, but I think our artist wasn't making uh, the point that he was hypothesizing that remdesivir was a similar compound or looked similar to snake venom in color the and peptides, so forth. He had yeah. no proof. Yeah. You can get a bottle of it and test it in the lab. I mean, so these are hypotheses that need to be proved or disproved. Yes, and so he he does say some of these can happen in some cases, but again, it's really hard because some of those cases from his perspective were a little bit rare. So I think the other thing he says that he didn't see a big change before and after remdesivir. He says these lots of kidney injury was happening before it came out. 
Um, he said that they were even going on dialysis. He felt it was maybe a little less after remdesivir came out. Um, he does agree that there was some blood clotting, but he's never seen blood clotting like he did with the first Wuhan strain. And he also, of course, says that clotting really is an issue with some snake bites. As we talked about, others can be even thinner. So there is this correlation that people can go, yes, there is a similarity between things that are happening here. But at some point, you have to look at all of this. I mean, all of it. And, you know, the fact that you can just go back and, well, COVID causes this. What kind of virus is this that does that? I mean, in history, just think about that. It's so wide ranging. The symptoms, the symptomology, what it can do to you. Come on, this is ridiculous. Does that sound normal? Does it sound natural? Does it sound or man-made? Well, I think that I think the narrative just keeps on going and changing. That's why and it's a novel corona. I don't know what you're talking about there, Alex. <laughs> There's page, nothing wrong. This is corona. It's coronavirus. Everything. It can shut down your kidneys. It can change your sex. It can do all sorts of things. Yeah, just roll with it. it roll acts, with it. It, it morphs into the super <laughs> duper coronavirus. It's crazy. I don't know. It, it it is crazy, and I do appreciate Pierre's critique and and artists' opinions and so forth, but you have to look at it from all sides here, and we don't know, like we were talking about earlier, the the media is on one side, and then you have the alt-media on the other side, and you have all these opinions and hypotheses, and, and, you know, there's just so much out there, so much noise, it's hard to make sense of it all. Right, it's like misinformation. It's like misinforming the misinformed, right? It's just... uh, it's like a table of cards. And in the end times, there will be a great deception mm-hmm. that comes about. It's so, the ultimate deception. You know, I mean, when you can't tell the truth, it's deception. And that's why we say we have to have a love for the truth. We have to continue and perse- persevere through this. Right. I think our point is like, um, you know... And we're looking out for people, right, for all of us, and just saying that, look, whatever this is, however this ends, that the vaccine doesn't lead to something good. It's not helpful. If you have to get it every three months, how is that helping you? It's not even building up your immune system because you're not immune to anything then. You still catch it. Um, you know, so in the end, I guess what we're saying is that, you know, the vaccine is still unsafe. What it is, how this is, what you know covid is it's still all a mystery but it all sounds like lies right you know that's what it comes down to doesn't it because that's why every day fauci is changing his mind just today he said oh this is endemic now which means you're gonna have to learn to live with it yeah isn't that what we always said duh yeah there's a point where you you have to realize that this anybody can figure out this is a deception um I'm going to go back to something else Dr. Corey said. You know, this is a major mistake, really. You know, Brian is mentioning a particular article and about how comparing China to America and how remdesivir is probably the source of this kidney failure. But like he says, the paper he cites, you know, was actually published in May of 2020. Okay, that was before remdesivir was even in use. So there's semantical Mm -hmm. things, Mm -hmm. you know, that are happening here. You can't you know, say that just because it's the right color, just because it's, you know, a powder somehow, you know, and same thing, he uses the, 
he talks about how probably there's two snake venoms, but we have no idea. But then he, the fact that there's two snakes on the Caduceus symbol, you know, so these are some things that, you know, you, you have to say these are not strong correlations, you know, for, for most people. Would you say the Caduceus symbol or the Medusa symbol? I heard Medusa. <laughs> that fits. She's got snakes on her head. That's right. Snakes on her mm -mm wig. Yep. Just saying. So he does admit <laughs> that there could be a role of the nicotinic acid. But again, he just feels that claiming that COVID-19 illness is identical to what happens to snake victims is just something that you wouldn't say if you've been treating those those both of those people groups. And, you know, so that's where some of the correlation really starts to fall through here that, you know, you can only take correlation so far. Okay, folks, every time one of us, especially Kevin or Dr. Dennis says correlation, take a drink. See how you end up at the end of this show. It's like, hi, Bob. <laughs> that's right. Hello, Bob. <laughs> you either either tea, whatever you're drinking, you either have to use the restroom really badly or something else. That's we're, Why not do I we're not promoting you take a drink of uh, adult beverages. No, but if you do, whoo, don't drive after Please the show. Please don't. So you're all going to be rizzing a restroom very soon. Rizzing a restroom? Rizzing a restroom? I don't know what you're talking about there, right. Alex. Correlation. Check. Correlation. There's no correlation between the VARES and what's happening out there. No. No. No correlation. Yeah, you may have like 25,000 people who died on VARES. But there's no correlation. And how did they fill that out if they were dead, huh? Answer me that. Uh, don't tell me that the medical doctors had to be uh, uh -oh. involved with recording this Please. because, you know, they don't have time for that. <laughs> well, and I, I think, you know, the best way to sum up what Dr. Pierre is saying is he thinks, and I'm going to quote this, that had Dr. Artis simply come up with a hypothesis or evidence as to why there are amino acid sequences identical to Bungaroo toxin in the spike protein, <laughs> RBD, which is the binding site of the RNA, that would have been fine and is a great question for Fauci and the Wuhan lab. So here you have the central core of the whole thing. Why is this there? We are There's multiple agreements, not only just correlation, but there's something here right. that's very similar that can be sequenced. And so, you know, we drop out of this and we go, why did America do the worst? Why did we do the worst in the world? That's a good question, right? right? Well, I have another. What is the bungaroo, Dr. Fauci? <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know what you're talking about there, Dr. Pierre Corey. Uh, <laughs> bungaroo toxin, what is that? I, I have no idea. We it's can not neither found. confirm nor deny the bungaroo. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. Well, and I guess, you know, he's he would be an expert probably about what is possible. We clearly weren't going to get any truth out of him. You know, but the truth is, these are bioweapons. When you look at what was accomplished with COVID, that, that we are now number two in the world, that we lost a seating president, that we, we, we lost, people lost rights to their own body around the world, which is exactly what our Bibles told us the, the beast government really wants, access to our bodies, you know. So you start to think about this. Remember, if you want my body and you think I'm sexy, come wash your lamp, <laughs> man, no. So, you know, we Rod got a Stewart. bunch of parts here. They've been researching venoms extensively. There's an inverse relationship and similarities between remdesivir, COVID, snake venom, rem and all of this stuff. So these crossover solutions could be used to help people, you know. Maybe something that worked for one could work for the other, you know. 
Remdesivir is a problem. I mean, most people are agreeing with that. Um, we are seeing strange things happen from a respiratory illness. Kidneys are failing, you know. So the problem is, is that we're seeing these similarities and all we have is a bunch of little small particles called peptides. So I think that's where the biggest mistake we can make is that this is one thing we're dealing with. And I think that's why we're having controversy because I think there's more than one thing going along. I think snake venom is certainly a possibility. Yeah, definitely. There's multiple things going on here, and we don't know. We just have pieces, like you said. So pieces of the pie that we can't put it all back together again. We need to, to have some science here. You know, folks, when you do science or scientific experiments, you start off with a hypothesis, and then you start going through your experiment to disprove or prove your hypothesis. We don't have any of that going on here. We right. never did. It's all been hearsay. It's all been this. None of this would stand up in a court of law. It's all uh, portions and parts and mixed pieces. And then we, we, we're trying to make sense of it here. We're, we're really just trying to follow the, the, the truth the throughout this. We're trying to follow the science. You've got to follow well, the science. I think that's part of it is like this whole um, programming. of You know, follow the science. Well, they're not actually allowing science to happen. Right. right. And so that's the problem. There but just no by science. saying it over and over, like it makes somehow people believe it. I also think that this whole thing, um, since it started, we've had to redefine what the word insanity means. It used to be right doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. Correct. But we don't no longer in define insanity that way because we are doing the same thing over and what's happening. Um, and so now that's that's not insane. That's just science. That's normality now. Right. Right. That's right. Just so you so, went from being insane to normal. So insane right. is normal. Right. And so you can't question that. You can't say, why are we doing this? This is not working. Well, that, it's, they keep telling us this is science. This is how it's supposed to work. Absolutely. Yeah. It's insulting, frankly. If you're a thinking person, this whole thing is just maddening. Well, and you can see why. I mean, this is a little bit of a tedious episode in some ways. But the reality is, is that until you realize that we don't actually have a virus, then all we got is a bunch of little parts. Now we got to become microscopic in our thinking, and that is annoying, right? We all want one big culprit here, but the, the accident can't do that. We all wanted a quick and easy out. This was a, a crime, or this was, was just an accident. This was just a suicide, whatever it was. And the reality is is that, you know, this is two and a half years later, and we don't have that. There's too many players. There's too many players, too mm -hmm. many ingredients, you know, and so this is the reality of the situation. But it is fair to say that there's something going on that could be connected to snakes. Well, I think we also have to say that because of that, because there's, you know, you can't go back and prove this. I, I don't think no matter what we find, even if it does appear to be true, you're still never going to be able to go back to um, the, the macro level and find out who, what, where, when, how. And mm -hmm. I just think we just need to stand up and say enough is enough. I think that's the, the point is... Like, because we're never going to know the full truth. There's going to be too many players involved that we just all have to say, this is enough. We've had it. No more. Well, I this. think that's happening. Yeah. I think a lot of people I have hope. had it, you know, and uh, I think that's where all the rebellion against the masks have come from. Yeah. I think that there are uh, a lot All five of, of you in Guyana. Woo-woo, yeah, thanks. A lot of people, uh, you know, <laughs> a lot listeners. of people are, are not going to get booster shots they, they've yeah. been you know they may have gotten the vaccine but they're not going to do a booster or so forth but now we're unfortunately still stuck in the narrative with as long as they're still using the pcr test which does not test for covid right. i don't know how many times we have to say that 
Well, not only does the PCR test, if that isn't accurate and we know it isn't, not only does the narrative crumble, but that the origin story itself crumbles. And now we suddenly know. And do we do you know that there is not one okay, expert in the field of gain of function that's actually out there telling us what's actually even possible? All these doctors, right? There's nobody in gain of function that's come forward and said, let me tell you what we can do here. Well, well they this... wanted to destroy the origins because by yeah. destroying the origins, they're destroying the evidence. That's right. Now, and then now it is not an act of terrorism. Right. It's just something that's oh, an I accident. Oh, I don't know how this happened. Well, you know, it's amazing that the, the people that we do know are in charge of gain of function, like you said, have been silent. That's oh, right. Yeah. They, oh, yeah. they want to be as under the radar as possible. And Mikovits might be one of them closest to that, you know, and she doesn't exactly work in that area. But here's what we can all agree on. We can agree that your Bible told us that one day there would be what? A brood of vipers. And that they are coming to get us. They are coming to establish something in the world. And that's why God has called them what they are. That they are snakes and that they're low in the grass. And That bell means Kevin is correct. Ding. No, I thought, <laughs> I, thought I was. I was wondering where that came from. <laughs> I know. Every time we say ding. I thought I was. Oh, well, star. time's up. It's up and it is up, folks. <laughs> Who wants actually? You're are you praying for us today, Alex? No, but I do want to say that I've come up. So every time someone says correlation, right? Remdesivir, venom, blood clots, cobra crate, um, artist, Corey, or virus, take a drink or make your bingo card. You'll definitely get bingo. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. All right, Doc, go ahead and pray for us. All right, Lord God, we just want to thank you, Lord, for bringing us together again for another podcast. We tried to do our best um, <laughs> getting through this muck and mire. Um, we try to make fun of it sometimes just to try because the humor helps it's us cope. Heavy. Yes, yeah. it's heavy stuff. And Lord, we just pray that, um, that you would um, just open the eyes of our listeners and that they would be skeptical, that they would not trust um, all the voices out there, but only your voice, Lord. And you said that your sheep hear your voice. Let us all be your sheep and hear your voice, Lord, and follow your direction. We ask this in your name. Amen. And Amen. Australia, China, we're praying for you guys. Just know we see what's happening, and we're sorry that's happening, but we're praying for you. Yeah, so we, your hearts go out to you all around the world. Thank you to our loyal subscribers and listeners. We really appreciate you guys. And we want to let you know about SupernaturalJunkies.com. If you sign up for the newsletter there, you'll be the first to know about anything that's happening with us, any events we might be doing. And also Kevin's book, The COVID Beast, is out now and available on Kindle. You can get that on our website. And the Audible version, as well as the softcover book, should be out in a few weeks from now. Signing up for that newsletter will get you in the loop to be the first to hear about it. We're also going to be coming out with SupernaturalJunkies.com gear with that cute cartoon logo. Because some of you have been asking about that. We're going to have it on mugs, t-shirts, and hoodies, as well as stickers and magnets. If you want in on that, like I said, sign up for that newsletter. Also, if you love our podcast, we would really appreciate it if you could write us a review on any of the platforms you listen on or share this with anyone you think might be interested. I know we harp on it all the time, but that's because that review helps us get found. It helps boost us on the algorithm. And that's why we're always asking. So because we don't have a lot of reviews right now. So that would mean the world to us. Once again, we appreciate you guys. So grateful for you. Thank you and have a blessed week.